37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Pixelated Paranormal. Now, just out of the gate, at the top of the show, we want to say hello to all of our new listeners, all of our new followers, so on and so forth, and I want to give a big shout out to Baffo Vomit and Chelsea Deer, or maybe Deere, I'm not sure how that's pronounced. Uh, two new followers on Instagram that I've been talking with. Just want to say a, a big hello and thanks a lot, guys, for listening and uh, the kind words you had about the show. And also to Jill Shelley. She sent a story to us about a haunted house up in Minnesota that we would definitely love to discuss more on an upcoming episode with you. And uh, let's not forget a big happy birthday to Mr. Riddle. Oh, yeah, Dravy. Happy birthday, dude. Most deaf. Thank you. I actually just uh, told him happy birthday and then didn't even think about mentioning it on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, things have been pretty busy here at the old pixelated paranormal, and we just realized today that we've been a little light, a little skimpy on the news lately. So Presto and I have decided to compile a boatload of the weirdest stuff we've found in the news that you may have missed. So before we get started, Presto, anything new with you? Mm, no. Sweet. I uh, I bought a ukulele, so I'm going to try to learn how to play the old uke. <laughs> Fucking hipster. Right. If you hear a new uh, intro song of ukulele and island <laughs> <laughs> sounds, then you know I have mastered the old ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's not waste any time, man. There's some pretty good news stories uh, about to be besieged upon you. But I think first we'd start off with a lighthearted story, something good. On February 11th in Georgetown, Colorado, they elected a new mayor, and he's such a good boy. <laughs> Clear Creek County swore in Parker the Snow Dog as the honorary mayor of Georgetown on Tuesday. They said it was a packed house Tuesday night at the Georgetown Community Center for Parker's inauguration ceremony. Clear Creek County posted on its Facebook. Police Judge Lynette Kelsey administered the mayor's oath to Parker the Snow Dog. Georgia's furry, I'm sorry, Georgetown's furry new leader arrived in his swearing, complete with wearing a tie, glasses, and a wagging tail. Parker was unanimously voted in as the honorary mayor by the town's board of selectmen on February 11th, his website says he is committed to bringing hugs, love, and cookies to the people of Georgetown. But honorary mayor is not the only job of Parker. He's also the official mascot of Loveland Ski Area, and he can be seen hanging out frequently with the Denver Broncos, the Colorado Rockies, and the news personalities all over the country. Parker also is passionate about Colorado's disabled community and acts as a therapy dog at the Rocky Mountain Village Easter Seals Camp. Mayor Parker has over 16,800 followers on Instagram where he shares his activities and appearances. Aww. (laughs) 
Well, Presto, why don't you start things off with a bang, buddy, and tell us what happened back on February 6th. Yeah, February 6th of this year, um, some, sometime between 1947 with the United States Roswell incident and the 1967 Falcon Lake sighting in Canada, which, have we ever covered that? We have not, yeah, We should actually. probably look into that. Anyways. Yeah, hell yeah. The United Kingdom's government started collecting official X-Files-like records. And this is where you'll play that song. Oh, shit, you think I'm going to do an edit that deep tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next time. Of its own unexplained aerial phenomenon. Now, like Live Science reports, the UK Ministry of Defense will share those formally classified documents with the public for the first time. Holy shit, that's disclosure. Mm -hmm. When the UFO mm -hmm. mania had invaded the UK by the early 1950s, the British media began covering supposed extraterrestrial phenomenon, but they had a more serious tone, like books with titles like The Riddle of the Flying Saucer, The Flying Saucers Are Real, um, which actually um, excerpted in the major newspapers. Like we were talking about earlier, sometimes these people can't write. <laughs> Even Winston Churchill was intrigued enough to formally write his heir minister in 1952 and ask, what does all this stuff about flying saucers amount to? What can it mean? What's the fucking truth? So, <laughs> Ministry of Defense formed the Flying Saucers Working Party, which is lamer than the Blue Book investigation. <laughs> or move on. <laughs> to process the flood of new reports that were coming in around the time in uh, UK's history. Though the original group concluded that none of the sightings were credible, various departments of ministries continued investigating the reports of strange objects in the skies, and they concluded that it was swamp gas from Venus, all the way through 2009, when the policy change uh, officially ended the program. Now, all of those files from the near 60-year period will be released on the UK's own government.uk webpage sometime in 2020. The announcement was made after a British news agency made a request for the documents under the Freedom of Information Act. Select files from this period have been uh, previously made unavailable through the UK's National Archive website, but now... Instead of choosing certain items to share, the UK government has decided to publish all the documents at once. Reports that have already been made public include sightings of a diamond-shaped red light, 15 fireballs in the sky, and three blazing gold orbs. The Ministry of Defense stated it has no opinion of the existence or otherwise of extraterrestrial life, so they're taking the easy way out. But the public <laughs> will be able to decide for themselves when more documents are shared later this year. Isn't that wild? Like to think that all this disclosure is finally happening, or at least, you know, we're on the eve of full disclosure. It's got to mean something's out there, right? Yeah, man. It's got to mean something's out there. Yeah, I would say, like, like they said before, the stuff that we get in the news that's like this, you know, quote, serious is stuff that we discovered 15, 20 years ago. And, and finally, the public's just now, you know, mature enough to uh, understand that. Yeah. Well, speaking of holy crap and strange discoveries, Preston, let's head back to the States, to Florida, for a different type of startling discovery that's a bit more tongue-in-cheek. 
This comes from the news in uh, Gainesville, Florida on February 18th. WCJB reported that in the home that was once owned by University of Florida Professor Emeritus Dr. Ronald A. Bauman, beneath the floorboards in a hidden crawl space, they recently discovered multiple jars that were filled with preserved human tongues. Home inspectors hired by Professor Bowman's ex-wife, who still lives at the home, were looking at the home's foundation when they made the disturbing discovery. She was having work done on the home when the contractor discovered the jars and quickly notified the police. After some investigation, it was released that Bowman used to be a research pathologist who published studies in the 1970s and 1980s about the potential hazards of oral cancer among infants. Gainesville police said the detectives are investigating the possibility of whether or not the preserved tongues are related to his work dating back to as early as the 60s. According to the department, it is unclear if there is a crime to prosecute in this case based on laws from the time at which these were suspected to have been preserved. But what's odd here is I did some deeper digging outside of the couple articles we read, and it's found that supposedly Dr. Bowman was doing some studies on oral cancers in infants, and outside of the tongues, there were also larger jugs that were marked with girls' names, like Heather, Samantha, Lindsay, and so on, which contained infant-sized skeletons. So it's also curious here that maybe, just maybe, these were actually, you know, odd mementos that he was collecting. We're not really sure yet because there hasn't been too many more developments outside of this first article. But why hide these things in a crawl space? Why not display them, you know, in your personal library or your study as your actual medical findings? But oddly enough, this is not the first time officers have been in a college town and discovered gruesome finds. The Herald Tribune reported in 2002, a University of Florida neurology professor was fired and arrested after police found heads, brains, arms, and other body parts preserved in Tupperware containers at his home in Gainesville. What the fuck? Right. Joseph James Warner told detectives that he was conducting research at his home, including dissections of human and animal body parts, according to the Tribune. He was charged with illegal storage and preservation of human remains, and the story made national headlines. The Los Angeles Times reported that later that year, Warner pleaded no contest and wouldn't say and was sentenced to a year of probation. Currently, there have been no other further developments in the current case of the tongues in jars, but hopefully we'll have an update soon. Huh. (laughs) I know. What do you say? What do you say to that? Holy crap. I just want to know why you keep them in the floorboards under your house. You know, Ben Franklin's uh, roommate did that. Seriously? Yeah, we talked about it like, um, I don't remember what show it was, but uh, Ben Franklin like had this guy boarding with him um, uh-huh. when he was like younger. And he lived on the family farm and the guy was like going to medical school. So like yeah. he got a bunch of cadavers and chopped up the fucking bodies and then like buried all the remains after he got done running his experiments in the family homestead. So like years later, when they're like, holy shit, this is Ben Franklin's house and they were doing excavations. 
they found like all these dead body parts and they were like, oh my God, Ben Franklin's a serial killer. No, his buddy was just fucking creepy. I remember that now. Yeah. Cause there was that big, you know, conspiracy of whether or not he was a killer. And then, yeah, yeah, I remember now. Look, and before I go on to my story, did you give me this next news story? Because I made fun of the rocket dude like a year and a half ago when he was no building this rocket. No, I, it just happened that, you know, this is a story that <laughs> <laughs> popped up in the news like yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. No, we actually talked about this guy on a few episodes back um, last year sometime, I think, or maybe two years ago. But yeah, people will probably remember this guy, Mad Mike Hughes, but yeah, yeah. Give us an update, Presto. <laughs> oh, boy. So February 22nd of this year. Um, I'm sad to say that Daredevil Mad Mike Hughes died during an attempt to launch his homemade rocket back on Saturday. The Science Channel made the following comment after the terrible inc- accident. Our thoughts and prayers grow out to Mike Hughes and family and friends during this difficult time. It was always his dream to do this launch, and the Science Channel was there to chronicle his journey. The Science Channel was there to film his launch as part of the future TV series where Hughes was attempting a cosmic quest to explore the final frontier on a short-string budget. Hughes was scheduled to launch his homemade rocket from a new Science Channel series called Homemade Astronauts, according to the Discovery (laughs) Channel website. Hughes, a flat-earth conspiracy theorist and business partner, Waldo Stakes, built the steam-powered rocket. That's their fucking problem right there. You don't do steam power. What the fuck, dude? Which was designed to launch Hughes 5,000 feet into the air. Now you know they're on a they're balling on a budget here, man. So you can't <laughs> knock them for steam. <laughs> I guess that's true. The launch was supposed to be the first step toward an a- ambitious goal to launch Mad Mike more than sixty miles up, clearing the Carmen Line, the border between Earth's atmosphere and outer space. Footage of the launch appeared to show a parachute separating from the rockets seconds after takeoff. Moments later, the rockets uh, slammed to the ground. Deputies responded to the fatal rocket crash off Highway 247 in Barstow, California on Saturday afternoon. The San Bernardino County Sheriff's Office said in a statement, while authorities did not formally identify Hughes, they said a man was pronounced dead after a rocket crash into the open desert during a launch event. Previously, Hughes made news in March of 2018 when he propelled himself about 1,875 feet into the air on a homemade rocket near Amboy, California, before crash landing in the Mojave Desert. For the blast, the former limo driver converted a mobile home into a ramp (laughs) 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 and spent months overhauling his rocket in his garage. This thing wants to kill you in 10 different ways, Hughes said of his rocket after that crash. And back in 2002, he set a Guinness World Record with a 103-foot jump in a Lincoln Town Car stretch limo at a California Speedway. A sheriff's aviation unit is investigating. No other injuries were reported. Mad Mike was 64. Listen, we're not ones to speak ill of the dead, so rest in peace, Mad Mike. Yeah, buddy. But for fuck's sake, was he ordering this stuff off of like a Looney Tunes <laughs> website? Because everything he did, I'm pretty sure I've seen the coyote do to Roadrunner. And it never worked out for the coyote. <laughs> no, it sure didn't, man. 
You know, and I guess on a positive note, the guy went out doing what he loved. But he never got to discover if the earth was indeed flat. <laughs> That's true. Poor guy. Poor guy. Uh, people, hopefully you learn from his mistakes. <laughs> we want to take a quick moment to interrupt ourselves to remind you that New York Times bestselling author Daniel Krause has just released his brand new thriller, Bent Heavens. Childhood best friends Liv Fleming and Doug Monk are about to embark on their final year of high school when their lives are turned upside down. After finally coming to terms with the strange disappearance of her father only two years ago, Liv has finally decided to give up on the bizarre traditions that she and Doug have held on to when the unthinkable happens. On the very day when Liv has decided to move on and start over, she and Doug catch what might be the very creature that is responsible for her father's unexplained vanishing act. Now the two are thrust into the same conspiracy that may have driven Liv's father to the brink of insanity. New York Times bestselling author Stephanie Perkins says, This is the darkest, angriest alien horror that I've ever encountered. Hell yes. And Pixelated Paranormal says, This is one raw, heart-thumping, gut-wrenching sci-fi thriller that you don't want to miss. Pick up your copy of Bent Heavens today, wherever books are sold. Well, you know what they say, butterfly in the sky, that ain't no way to die. And speaking of butterflies and death, a second environmental activist campaigning for the conservation of the monarch butterfly and the wooded areas in which they hibernate has been found dead in Mexico. Back on February 3rd, 2020, from the BBC, Raul Hernandez, who worked as a tour guide at a butterfly sanctuary in Michoacan State, did I pronounce that right? Mishawakan State? I, I mean, uh. you probably would do better than what I would do, so, <laughs> you know. Uh, he has been found dead. Mishawakan. Yeah, there you go. His body, which bore signs of beatings and a head injury, was found two days after the funeral of a previous murder victim named Homero Gomez. Now, Homero Gomez managed a monarch butterfly sanctuary in the same state of Mexico, and his family reported that he had previously been receiving death threats before he himself had been killed as well. Officials initially said his body showed no signs of violence, but a post-mortem examination revealed he too had suffered a blow to the head before drowning in a well. Homero had disappeared back on January 13th of 2020 only to have his deceased body discovered in a well on the 29th of January, so about two weeks later. His family said that prior to his disappearance, the activist had received threats warning him to stop his campaign against the supposed illegal logging in the hibernation area of the monarch butterflies. Now back to Raul. Raul Hernandez, 44 years old, disappeared back on Monday the 27th of January, after he had left work as usual, he was last seen midday at a village called El Oyamel. His body was discovered six days later at the top of a hill in the El Campanario Monarch Butterfly Sanctuary. Forensic experts say his body was covered in bruises and he had a deep wound to his head. 
An investigation into his death is currently underway. Conservationists fear that his death may be linked to that of Homero Gomez. Hernandez was a tireless campaigner for the conservation of the monarch butterfly and the pine and fir forests in which they hibernate. The sanctuary he managed to open back in November as a part of a strategy to stop illegal logging in the area was for a key habitat, sorry, was a key habitat for the species. Mexico's murder rate has risen in the recent years, and official figures suggest that as of 2019, that year had the highest rate ever recorded, with 34,582 recorded killings. Many are believed to be carried out by criminal gangs, with their illegal activities ranging from drug trafficking, human trafficking, extortion, and illegal logging and mining operations. What's special about the monarch butterfly, you might wonder? Scientists have been fascinated by the orange and black butterflies because of the vast distances that these butterflies fly to hibernate all the way to Mexico. They hold the longest migration of any insect. Researchers found the butterflies use kind of an internal solar compass to guide them during their flight pattern from Canada and the U.S. to the same exact area every year that borders between Michoacan and the Mexico state every year. Once they reach the mountain hillsides of Oyamel in the fir forest in that area, they cluster together to stay warm. Tens of thousands of butterflies can be seen on one single tree at a time, creating a beautiful and colorful spectacle that has become a draw for many tourists. But environmentalists have warned that illegal logging poses a major risk to these forests and the butterflies which spend their winters on these trees. So essentially, not only are we smuggling drugs, but we are holding illegal logging expeditions, which you can apparently die from. So I don't know if there's going to be a third one, but that is a truly, truly bizarre case of murder and butterflies. Two things I thought I'd never say together in the same sentence. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you thought the butterflies were the only insects to be in the news, you'd be insane. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So, on the same day that uh, Mad Mike blew up his acne, acne rocket um, <laughs> on 222, a 911 call over uh, someone getting stung by a bee in Pasadena, California, spiraled into a wild situation. With first responders, including firefighters and police, getting attacked by an aggressive swarm of an estimated 30 to 40,000 holy shit killer bees, along with, multiple, <laughs> right. along with multiple people being taken to the hospital. And I actually have a story about dad being attacked by bees that I can go in on after this because everybody needs a Big John story in their life. Everybody needs a little bit of Big John Wiener. Yep. At around 4 p.m. Thursday, someone called 911 about a person being stung by a bee near Pasadena City College. While only one person had been stung at the time of the call, the caller observed several bees in the area and may have had a sense that things could take a turn for much worse. The first firefighter to arrive at the scene immediately started getting attacked by the bees. While the number of bees in the area at that point had began to uh, multiply. Then there was an emergency call over the radio stating that there was a swarm of bees in the area that was over a city block long. Holy shit. 
Mm-hmm. Can you imagine a, a freaking swarm of bees the size of a city block, or at least as long as one? Yeah, that's like a lot, dude. Again, like Looney Tunes, that's straight up out of, car- out of a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Well, the firefight, uh, the fire department called the police to cordon off the bee-filled area, and responding officers also began getting stung. Responders used a foam and CO2 extinguisher to disperse the bees. Some bees were killed, though it wasn't sure how many. We tried to do the best to get them to fly away and dissipate, said one of the first responders, but she added that public safety was their primary concern. A beekeeper called uh, to the scene, removed the hive, which had been located between the eaves of a roof of a hotel, so that the remaining bees would not return and would presumably make their home in another location. We work with beekeepers often, said the firefighter, but nothing to the magnitude we experienced the other day. That was more like a movie scene. In all, two firefighters, one police officer, and two civilians were hospitalized to be treated. She added that other people were stung, uh, but declined medical assistance. A beekeeper called to the scene estimated there were between 30 and 40 thousands of what he believed were Africanized bees, a term used to refer to a hybrid of African honeybee and European honeybees. While Africanized bees are generally more aggressive than other types of bees, the BBC notes that some media reports, uh, as well as their killer bee nickname, overhypes the dangers that they pose. The term gives the impression that these bees are out to kill when they are actually defending their hive. Um, Ethnologist Bert Riviera, Mark Kahn, told the outlet, Dear Dearden said officials would be back to the hotel to check whether any bees were still living in the walls. So, God. Big John Wiener time. (laughs) 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 So when I was a young child, dad raised honeybees and we had about seven hives. Uh, You know, they live on about 10 acres of land, so we had plenty of space and uh, dad needed to relocate the hives. And um, we had this really old shitty Datsun pickup truck. Mm-hmm. And uh, so dad safely got all the beehives stacked in the back of the truck so he can move them from one side of the property to the next. And at first, mm-hmm. he was going to drive the truck and let Jason um, watch the bees. But then he thought, you know, what if these beehives falls and like, I can't put my kid into danger. Surely my 18-year-old son can safely <laughs> drive this truck from one side of the property to the other. <laughs> So Jason hit a pothole, and instead of slowly easing on the brakes, he just stopped and hit the hole, and the beehives, all like six of them, fell on top of Dad. Wow. He was attacked by a swarm of bees and had over 20,000 bee stings across his body. Now, his body went into a shock, and um, he almost died on the way to the hospital, And when we got him into the hospital room, they were trying to pull each individual stinger out of his body as um, he was vomiting, um, you know, going into seizures. And so finally, when dad snapped out of it on the brink of death, he yelled at the fucking nurse to get him a bottle of rubbing alcohol and a washcloth. And dad bathed himself in rubbing alcohol and got all the stingers (laughs) out, thus saving his own life. Fucking big John Wiener. And that man. was the second time my brother almost killed my father. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, they need to have Scorsese do a damn biopic about your dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless him. Well, I think that just about does it for the weird news that we've uh, been keeping from you guys. Yeah, man. I have a rolling document of all the news we come across, and I save it, and I think we've just had so much other stuff to talk about, we've just been neglecting it. So there you go. Hopefully that kind of staves off your thirst for what's going on in current events. Yeah. Well, anything else we should cover? No. No. Cool. All right. Sounds like you've got another uh, epic adventure for us coming up in the near future. Yeah, I uh, finally got uh, the vertical plane in, and uh, I'm diving into that right now, so that's going to be another three-part series. Sweet. So, Can't wait for that. Yeah. Can't wait for that. I am about halfway through the Andreessen Affair, which is a alien abduction story that's pretty unique. So we'll have that to share, and uh, otherwise, uh, who knows? Steven couldn't be on this episode. He's currently uh, finishing up some notes for 13 Nightmares, so we thought we'd give him the night off. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I got a lot of good stuff coming up for that. (laughs) 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 We got a lot of good stuff coming up for that show as well. And uh, I think we might have another roundtable with John and Leslie uh, in the near future as well, so that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, Presto, what do you got to plug? As always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow a killer bee beard, check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com where he uses all natural products in his beard care line, including beeswax. So (laughs) you can't go wrong with Dobbs. Citrus, Dundee Cedar, Bay Rum, Sweet Tobacco, Fresh, Mint, Classic. Get it all Get it at Dobbs and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. Boom. Look at that. Boom. And old Dobbs just celebrated his 499th order to his website. So we are more than ecstatic for him. That's phenomenal. And uh, hopefully somebody by now has dropped that 500th order. Yeah. We fucking love that guy and we love his product. Go buy Mm -hmm. it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. And also check out our friends over at gunslingersoap.com. Check out locally Fast Print, our friends down on Rock Road and Harry. For all your printing needs, check out Leslie and all of our friends down at CD Trade Post at Pawnee and Seneca. Are there any other places I'm forgetting? Mm, no, not that I know of. Not that you know of me neither. We should really write these things down and be more organized sometimes. Yeah. Check out all the shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. Check out Mark's solo show, Pixelated Sausage. Check out his video game, Video Extravaganzas, The Attack, The Backlog. Check out our other show, our sister show, 13 Nightmares, where we do deep dive reviews on all of our favorite cult classic horror movies and more. And if you'd like to throw a few bucks in the tip jar, so to speak, we do have a Patreon, and I do believe we have a specific spot on there called Paranormal Nightmares. If you'd like to throw a few bucks into the old tip jar, we'd sure appreciate it. And just now, as of an hour ago, we have a brand new hot spanking phone number to call if you guys want to leave us a voicemail with your own paranormal stories. Now, I'm not sure how long it goes until it cuts you off, so maybe uh, the first couple calls, let's do kind of, you know, something 
a little shorter just to be safe. And then I will find out how long you can actually do an official recording uh, between now and the next episode. But let me get you guys that phone number. We are looking forward to this. You can call and leave us a message at 913-662-3144. That is 913-662-3144. Otherwise, send us your listener stories to pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. And I think that just about wraps it up if I'm not missing anything. No. Cool. All right. Well, guys, on behalf of Stephen, I'd love to say cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown, tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.